So we are the 2% that represent the 2% in all those sectors. And we, also, we have over the years have been strong advocates for the UN United Nation SDGs, and especially in diversity, equality, inclusivity. And what we want to do, not only you know, with this company and our other company, to be able to open up the opportunities for all generations, not just to the young generation, obviously we focus on that because they are the future, but also for for the older generations, the baby boomers, to have these opportunities to learn about frontier technologies and also, if they wanted to, to be analog astronauts, you know. So <clears throat> we are very, <clears throat> sorry, we are very passionate about trying to change the constructs that we are encountering in our society, especially in the West, about discrimination, about inequality, about lack of, of resources and, and opportunities for those underrepresented and uh, underserved, right? So we want to take the programs that we created and take it out not only into the United States, but internationally, which we have managed to do over the years. And, it's, and right now, I know we're talking about STEM education, <clears throat> But it's it's not just about that. It's about how do you take how do you how do you take these STEM education, integrate technology, and then offer it to these communities that have, over the years, been excluded, right? So with that, let's talk. Emmy, you can also you can start with this slide. Just say what MRs is, and and we can go on to the next slide. Sure. So, M Mars is uh, M Mars Moon Astronautics Academy and Research Sciences, and we develop um, next-gen leaders, analog astronauts, innovators, imagineers, explorers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we have a facility land out in Mojave, uh, California, and we also partner um, with other corporations internationally uh, to provide low-fidelity, high-fidelity, and mid-fidelity analog astronaut uh, simulations for individuals. Uh, on an international scale, uh, but especially targeting people in the United States, um, first and foremost. Um, but we don't just curate analog astronaut. Oh, can you hear me? Oh. Okay, Miss. <laughs> next, next slide. Yeah. Next slide, Ken. Yes, uh, so we're out in the California city, but now we're going to be working probably uh, near the Mojave spaceport. Yeah. So, Em, do you want to talk about Okay. So, uh, we are involved with space, astronautics, aeronautics, aviation, uh, and we really focus heavily on education, research, and development. Uh, so, and we are highly focused, if you see, oops, on the right-hand side here, uh, social impact or diversity, equality, inclusivity. Uh, again, because we are a minority group, uh, we are women in technology, women in aviation, women in medicine. Um, we are uh, victims <laughs> of um, being excluded, being discriminated against. Uh, it's very unfortunate, but, you know, things are slowly changing, and we yeah. want to... Uh, be involved with the social change of bringing in, um, you know, a big majority of the population. That's not just uh, white males. Uh, we want to bring in, you know, and 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 it, it is the way it is. You know, like women in aviation right now, uh, globally, only seven percent of pilots are women, uh, and so there is a big push to get more women involved. Also, uh, that also applies, I think, statistically wise to, um, you know, aerospace and space, right? Um, as you know, uh, I think 
600 humans, maybe around that, has actually gone into gone into space per se, right? That passed a common line, and uh, and you have to look at the statistics. Then you know, over 600, what? How many of them are women, right? How many? How many of them are actually from a minority group? So, I mean, the statistics tells you, you know, what's happening, but it is changing because why? The onboarding of commercial space. That is going to change this paradigm construct, and that's what we're part of. So next, so actually here you can see this is uh, out. We deploy missions out in the desert in Mojave. You can see the Mojave there, and um, since 20, you know, 24, deployed multiple missions. And here's the winter time, as Dean has just preempted me. Uh, so this was uh, out in uh, the Utah desert. We experimented the very first station-to-station -station analog missions, and because usually most analog mission crew is only a hold up to six, but we we had uh, up to 12, 14 individuals, and uh, it was uh, it was really interesting because we were trying to throw in caveats of how do you have two crew missions? We divided into two crews, and we threw in uh, caveats of uh, different challenges that they had to overcome to work together to keep the mission going. Right. So just to lay the foundation, if anyone's not uh, familiar with analog astronaut trainings and simulations, um, the company that was the frontier of this whole entire kind of segment of analog astronauts is really uh, Mars Desert Research uh, uh, Society or Mars Society out in U Hanksville, Utah. And they have their uh, right there on the bottom right. Uh, MDRS out there in Utah, they have their habitat. And uh, typically, uh, a lot of these other habitats that started popping up followed the model of MDRS, which was providing a habitat or a location that simulates the moon or the Mars or space um, and living in a habitat in space. Uh, and there's parameters that they typically set. So a typical mission in this kind of setting is around one to two weeks, two weeks max or so, uh, with a crew of six to eight people. Uh, and you essentially rent out this habitat like an Airbnb, and then you conduct your research that you want to bring in. Um, there are limitations to this. Uh, some uh, organizations only allow you to bring in your research once, and you can't bring it in multiple times. And that is a restriction on data collection, um, you know, if you are an avid researcher. So with MRs, we realize that this is a severe limitation, especially with a lot of the technologies that we want to bring and test, uh, and human factors and uh, studies that we want to test. Um, so with MRs, we allow multiple uh, reiterations of studies to come in and you're not limited on that and the duration is not just limited to two weeks we work with researchers to design a mission that fits what you need uh, to conduct your research exactly and so you can see here uh, pictures of several analog uh, uh, stations uh, astronaut stations except for the one in Antarctica right in the middle of the yellow border that actually is not an analog station but it's an analog because it's out in Concordia station in Antarctica where they're isolated for eight months so no nothing can go in nothing can come out so that's kind of that simulation Absolutely, yes. So, so um, up there on the upper right is is our own, and what's so unique about us because our history, well, my history is that my father is in the British military. So we always try to say, okay, you deploy a mission, you do it to stealth, you do what you need to do, and then you have to leave, but you leave no footprint, right? So we developed our connecting pods that can expand. It's mobile, it's portable. You can 
deploy multiple missions concurrently at different geographic locations, and we, you can also ex uh, expand the number of crews members in each is the others which is stationary and it's it can only mac, hold a maximum of what number six usually six because there are actual structures that are permanently located so that's what's so unique about um our our um habitat and when you're talking about space you always have to think of those criteria right How, is it portable it's expandable payload and so on and so forth and so this is kind of the expansion of where we want to go because you know obviously we want to simulate you know, life in space and one day on planet surface. So you're not just going to have six people, right? Eventually, the whole idea was Blue Origin, um, you know, with Orbital Reef, with uh, Axiom Space, these are the commercial side, and of course, Elon Musk with SpaceX. They want to build settlements on a planet surface, Moon and Mars. So you're not just going to have small crews. You get, you're literally going to eventually have... Uh, yes, exactly, in Lagrange. So you're going to have... Uh, more people living in space, working in space permanently, because those are the that's what the mission of these commercial companies are, and that's probably where even NASA wants to see humans, you know, permanence in space. So what we are doing is eventually the vision for the next year or two is to build out in the Mojave uh, our sort of very early prototype of a uh, first analog astronaut space city, or we could settlement, right? where we can ho uh, house and train up to 25 to maybe up to 100 and then eventually to 1,000 analog astronauts um, coming in, living for long duration, not just for two weeks, maybe for six months, one year, three years. And you can and you can do a lot of testing, human factors, governance, 3D printing. Obviously, we already have 3D printing uh, and so on and so forth, technology development and medical as well, because obviously we focus on if you have humans in the loop, you better take care of them. Okay, Em, do you want to go through this? Sure. So uh, in Mars, we provide a wide variety of training programs. Uh, and this is another differentiator between our company and a lot of other analog astronaut companies. Um, we offer different fidelities, first and foremost, for uh, people that want to come in and bring in their research to the analog setting. Um, so we have low fidelity, mid fidelity, and high fidelity. Uh, and then we also have the virtual programs. So if you're completely unfamiliar with the analog setting and being in an, in an isolated, confined environment or ice environment, um, it's very important. What we saw as a challenge was getting people ready to be in this kind of environment. So we designed a virtual program uh, that brand new individuals or researchers that want to go through an analog astronaut simulation uh, will have to go through first to get an idea and get introduced to an analog setting and what to expect um, when you're going to go in person. Because when you're in person, it's very different than what you would imagine it to be. Uh, and so then once you go through your virtual academy um, and, you know, we offer it online, uh, then uh, you can do it uh, in your living room and you're interacting with the crew. Then you can come into the low fidelity in person, and that is out in Mojave Desert. Uh, and that has its own challenges because you have the temperature. It gets up to, it gets very hot up there. So it gets up to 40 degrees Celsius um, or, you know, over 100 degrees during the summertime. You have 40 knot winds. You have a lot of environmental factors uh, that can come into play with your research, in particular if you're using technology, also the human factors. Um, and then also just the social dynamic. You know, if you bring in a crew member or you remove a crew member, the whole social dynamic of that crew can and will 
change. Uh, so you have the low fidelity and then we get higher. So once you pass the low fidelities and, you know, we can assess, um, you know, your capabilities of handling that kind of ice, then you can go to mid fidelity or high fidelity. We did have a mid fidelity mission uh, in 2019, uh, which was in the Himalayas and Kilimanjaro. Uh, it was at 15,000 feet. Um, and that one was an all medical crew uh, just because that was our first deployed mission to the Himalayas in that kind of environment. And uh, we did have a medical emergency and that's why we had an all medical crew. So, um, but we will be going to Everest, which is we at 17,000 feet in 2024, uh, and that will be a highly specialized crew as well. Um, but this is a whole training program, and you can get involved, you know, in the virtual side and then low fidelity. And again, it's an evolution of once you get more acclimated to these kind of environments uh, and an analog astronaut setting, you can move up and progress. So, so we have over the years. So, in 2019, we started the virtual training. Basically, it's a translation of all our in-person training programs into a virtual training um, and we have partnered and this is where I think it will be interesting for uh, why we're here is uh, we've partnered with uh, colleges, universities, um, you know, all around the world. So we worked with uh, one with Space Case India and, and they were the, you know, um, uh, from ages nine to you know, nine to uh, 15, and then they would come in to our virtual program from India live, right, in real time, and engage uh, in the program. But they also had the opportunity, and here is our virtual, is, oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, so, yeah. So this is a high level slide of our virtual training where you see over there, they come in through, you know, Zoom as we're doing here uh, or Skype, but usually Zoom. And then they can engage in um, a lot of different uh, uh, module training. So, as you know, by 3D printing, we actually have they have space medicine, med medical technology, uh, engineering and so on and so forth. But what's so unique about this is not just all virtual because they, if we have a concurrent in-person mission running at the same time, they can join remote mission uh, control virtually and be able to interact with the on-site crew, right? So they can, when they do an EVA, extravehicular activity, they can also engage with the crew in real time. So yet again, as I said, this is a learning where it's experiential. But what we focus on is frontier technology. So when you come into our programs, you're going to learn and have hands-on activity and interaction with frontier technologies, right? So that's spatial, that's AR, you know, spatial computing, blockchain, AI, 3D printing, medical technology. That is what you're going to learn about. And that's what you're going to engage in and work on some of the projects as well that's ongoing. So this is what's so unique about uh, the virtual training. It's a hybrid program. So here is what we you can also engage in because we're heavily involved with our partner company, Avatar Medic, in using um, spatial computers, HoloLens, or using Oculus, and 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 they're able to engage as avatars in real time to learn. In this case, where you know this program here is learning basic medical uh, uh, interactions, right? Protocols. For example, you know, how do you stop hemorrhaging down there? So that's an avatar. They actually engage. They wear these headsets. They can immerse themselves as avatars in real time and learn these medical technologies. This is the future of how you have medical students 
and also residents, medical residents are going to learn and be re-licensed, re-certified. But for astronauts, this is a way that they're going to learn too, right? So this is a, a great way. Yeah, we call it the metaverse because that's a, a sexy word right now. But the metaverse, we started working that in, 20, in the 2000, 2010, you know, very early days and telemedicine. So you get to engage in, in this as well. When you come and you get to learn, you get to interact with these technologies. Oops, Em, do you want to go to the next one? I'll just flicker. Oh. So I don't think this will so play. I don't know if this video will play. Um. I'm not sure. Just try. So this was, we created this in 2015, was our VR, AR training. So you can actually be a digital astronaut in a virtual world and go through our program. But I don't know if this is going to play. If it doesn't, that's fine. It might we, just be an image on this one. Yeah. I don't think the link is yeah. on the background. So we'll, it, <laughs> yeah, let's go yeah. to the next one. Oh, we'll just go to the next one. So this is the same too. And if you, is it going to play? Okay, let's press. Yeah. Okay, so if you're interested, you can always, uh, we, you just Google, you can Google, um, you know, astronautic training, um, you know, uh, MRs, and you could go to that. But, but really, you're going to come in as a digital astronaut, as you can see there, and you're going to be an avatar, and you're going to be able to train in our programs. Let's go to the next slide because it'll show a little bit of our programs. Yeah. It would be good if, if it can play because it gives you a Yes, to be okay. Let's go to the next slide because it will show you our programs, the, the training modules that you can engage in when you come into our. And this is something you know we want to work with with teachers, with colleges, with we. I mean, we're not just focused on K twelve, right? We're very much also about career professionals, citizen scientists. Um, you know, we work with postgrads. Work with PIs, principal investigators at universities. So they come in and we partner with them, and they can bring in their research into uh, into our missions as well, and collect data and do you know uh, proof of concept, validate their technology or whatever it is they're creating, but also learn about the technologies. All right, let's Let me let's forget about that. Let's go okay. to the next slide here. Okay, do you want to talk about that one? So yeah, so we provide in-person astronautic training missions. Um, as you can see here in these photos, and this right next to the logo uh, is when we went to the Himalayas. Um, and they have the little medical uh, team up there. But we provide um, a, a total immersion of all these different kind of environments for people to come in and do their research um, or to experience themselves or human factors. So, you know, we do the medical EVAs. We're very uh, focused on uh, medicine, space medicine. Uh, I feel that that is a, uh, an element that is very overlooked. 
when it comes to space exploration and these analog astronaut simulations. And so for MRs, we do a lot of heavy focus on medical research um, out in the fields and human factors, as well as technology uh, capabilities. So we run a lot of medical extravehicular activities, which is involving the medical aspect out uh, when you leave the habitat. Um, and then, you know, if you have like an injured crew member, as an example, uh, we also do uh, some micro GVR. So we do um, uh, uh, virtual reality in uh, the pool uh, to be able to experience that, you know, weightlessness um, in the pool versus just doing it on the ground and on earth and running around. Uh, we also have telemedicine uh, capabilities. So we do work with a wide variety of medical professionals, of course, uh, surgeons and so on and so forth uh, that come in and uh, train non-medically trained um, analog astronauts to be able to do basic medical support to potentially injured crew members um, in, in our missions. Uh, and then we, we also do a lot of other things. So again, 3D printing, body mapping, uh, rovers and robotics. We're heavy in robotics as well. Uh, and then of course, VR, AR, XR. So. Mm. I think a lot of these simulations is also looking at human factors. How do you develop counter mitigation countermeasures to be able to uh, overcome some of these human factors challenges? The next slide. Oops. What's going on there? Oh. Can we go to the next slide, Ken? Okay, so Em, do you want to talk about this? Sure. So uh, we're as we grow and expand, we're going to be integrating more programs. Vomit Comet. Yeah. That that is a <laughs> that's just a fun little sauce now. It's like, but um, we are going to be uh, eventually offering parabolic flight training. Um, our next stage is actually offering flight training. Um, it's probably going to be uh, aerobatics uh, flight training, so you can experience the g-force on your body um, up to around four g's. Um, any more than that, it's a little too much for normal people to, to go through. So. Uh, our next phase for training um, is going to be incorporating more aviation components into it. I am a, a flight instructor as well, uh, and I do aerobatic competitions, aerobatics. So uh, I felt that was actually a big need for, again, for the human factors elements and, and people experiencing these forces on their bodies. Uh, and then and then once you have the positive Gs, then it'll be going to, um, you know, negative. You can actually experience negative Gs in uh, aerobatic flight as well. Um, but um, we will be partnering with a company that will run parabolic flight training or flights, uh, not zero G, uh, the 727 out of Long Beach, but uh, ones in smaller aircrafts because uh, it's more feasible. I think also uh, we, it's not sure. just about the experience. I think that's important, but it's also the scientific payload. So yes. we're able to not just, you know, have the participants be on the plane and experience that. But we will also be able to bring in research payloads um, and be able to offer it cheaper and 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 uh, more effective, you know, uh, to do your payloads in, in, and test it in micro in power flights. Yes, and and then of course we have the aquanauts. Again, that's the underwater training. So that's moving uh, beyond. Right now we have the underwater VR training, which that in itself is an experience. Um, but continuing more uh, like scuba uh, certification programs, uh, be able to do uh, more intensive aquanautic training. Um, uh, and partnering with with uh, companies and uh, educational institutions as well to be able to do more uh, aquanaut. Uh, I think training. I think aquanautic training for us is not only learning how to 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 do you know to to um, perform underwater, but uh, search and rescue underwater, right? How do you how do you s try to save somebody that's drowning or somebody that is injured? And and water, by the way, is an analog of space. 
So that's why uh, astronauts, sorry? It is an Yeah, environment. exactly. It's an animal environment. That's why the neutral buoyancy lab, which is that huge swimming pool that all NASA astronauts are training, you know, at Johnson, near Johnson Space Center is is reason why they use swimming pool, right? Water is an analog space. Go ahead. Yeah, and then, of course, we have the lava knots. So, you know, there's always the concept of maybe potentially building um, a habitat under uh, in lava tubes. Uh, so just having... Uh, Essentially, what all these have in common is that it's it's unfamiliar to the average person, right? Average person is just walking around on Earth, and all of these different kind of all of these different kind of programs and opportunities gets you to experience um, all these different forces, all these different environments, and how that affects you adversely, and how do you overcome those challenges? Uh, at the same time, as you can see, we have a lot of specialized training tracks, and I'm not going to you know you can read it for yourself, but the point of that is we want to be diverse. We want to be inclusive of all, all different areas where you can come and have these experiences. But at the same time, it's working with the scientists, working with the researchers to be able to bring in their research, to be able to, you know, prove, prove a concept of the research, collect data, you know, validate and so on and so forth, build new technologies, new paradigms, new uh, standard operation procedures and so on. So it's, it's really uh, about inclusivity right across all board and so that's the that's what we're offering that's what's so unique next slide and here is just an example just a deeper dive of the space medicine and med tech track which we're heavily involved in and these are technologies and you can see joan there that's the vapor jet where we do 3d printing actually all of this is 3D printed. That over there, the Papier, the respiratory uh, uh, device that was all free as a prototype 3D printing that was actually uh, developed by uh, anesthesiologist Dr. Choi. And here's testing it out, a prototype in an actual operation during COVID. And that patient was COVID positive. So this is a way to protect frontline providers from being infected. And, and he actually wore this prototype. And of course, it's got a bag right now. But, you know, obviously, it was to be built on a helmet or something. But the point, he actually wore that for nearly 10 hours in this operation. And, you know, it's monitoring the gases, the carbon dioxide, the oxygen coming in, being able to, you know, monitor their physiology as well, wearing this. But but then there's the vapor jet there, all 3D printed. This is the way that we're going to change. This was actually 3D printed on the International Space Station 2015. The vapor jet is a paradigm change of how we're going to offer surgery in space because right now we cannot do surgery in space. All right. So this is the first inhalation uh, uh, anesthesia device that is all 3D printed in parts. You top you see our analog astronauts these are all doctors in our analog mission because that's great you can 3d print it but do you know how to use it so we were training them how to use this vapor jet to baby obviously we're not allowed to use humans at this point because it's research so we use a dummy and 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 this is the whole point of you you have an engagement you learn about the technology you learn about the application and you practically you know there's the practical component of being able to to do it and use it and this is what our med tech is you come up with an idea an innovation you build it you create it then you find an application right so next slide oh and then this one here the middle one this is what we developed solar power 3d printer and, and we've tested this out in different environments. And you can see below, we actually, with this, it's all solar powered. So now you're off grid. 
So now this is the capability of 3D printing off-grid when you have no power, as long as you have sun, you can 3D print. So we're 3D printing the scalpels and we actually use these 3D printed equipment in our, in our learning surgery uh, for the students. So these are, this is a good example of what can be learned, right? Using exponential technology, but the application of it as well. Next slide. Go ahead, Em, do you want to do this? Robots. Okay, so part of what we also with units is space medicine, right? So humans in the loop, go take care of them, no matter where, especially in space and in austere environments. But this is also going to change how we're going to conduct uh, medicine in a clinical setting, in in a rural environment or in a in an urban environment. So in our missions over the years, we also prototype the whole idea of a space clinic, right? And in the space clinic, it's designated to do all these medical training, uh, how to uh, use these technologies. So down below, we with our partner uh, company Avatar Medic, we bought in a whole 3D printed robotic arm. And this 3D printing robotic arm actually was controlled by, uh, 300 miles away in Las Vegas. This was out in the Mojave Desert. And this surgeon was controlling the robotic arm 300 miles away in real time, working with the crew. And these analog astronaut crews were all non-medical. One was a, a graphic artist, another was an engineer. And they had no medical background. But they were able to do anesthesia and learn how to do an anesthesia and also intubation and also surgery with a remote surgeon. So this is a paradigm change, right? Using technology. And, and, I, th and I think this is the future of how medicine is going to be provided. It's going to democratize medicine accessibility and resource experts for not just for space, but here in all remote areas or underserved communities in the world, right? I think this is really, really a, a very important aspect of technology and how you can apply technology to have society impact in a positive way. Next slide. We're nearly done. Em, you want to do this? Okay. So part of what we do in this simulation, and this is what the participants come in. So the students come in, they come in virtually, we actually have this virtually, and then eventually come in person, they engage in what they learn in an active way, right? So this is entertainment, interactive, immersive. Part of the simulations we do is also about human health, mental health, wellness. And um, and here, over the years, we've, we've used technology. You can see, you know, virtual reality headsets, Oculus. We had sonic meditation um, where they're able to now also incorporate uh, music, but music frequency that has been, you know, peer reviewed to show different frequencies that can actually benefit health and, and be able to mitigate stress. And in these missions, a space mission or any uh, very austere, stressful situations, stress is pretty high. So how can you reduce it? How can you mitigate it? So sonic meditation, where they wear the Oculus, they do meditation in the Oculus, but they also have music. That's why it's called sonic, right? Music at a certain frequency that changes their delta waves, right? Uh, uh, the theta waves to delta waves, where they're able to now be calm with the music as well as meditate and using Oculus. So now they're also immersed in this immersive environment and, it, and, and they're really uh, in the environment and not have any distractions. So the other one here is, you know, using art. Art is part of our culture, it's part of our humanity. So when we go to space, we're not going to, you know, eliminate art, but 
using art in a therapeutic way. So body mapping, and we use first they do 2D body mapping, then they use the the uh, augmented reality, and they do it in an immersive way, 360, and create the body map. Body mapping is a therapy is a peer review accepted therapeutic intervention uh, for patients that are terminal, for cancer patients, for patients with mental health. So over the years. This has been a, a protocol or a procedure, a therapeutic procedure that has shown real benefits for patients. But in our case, we want to use it as a mitigation strategy for austere environments and for space for astronauts. And, and we've, we've used this over the, in our missions for the last five, six years, which actually has, um, we've published our work and have really shown benefits um, for both, not only for the mental health of the individual, but for crew cohesion, bonding, reducing conflict, and so on and so forth, which is all part of why we do these analog missions. Next, I think we're near the end. And go, go ahead, Em, you want to oh, go? So this is just a continuation um, that we are going to be moving to, finally, our high-fidelity missions again in 2024. We'll conduct our first mission at Mount Everest at 17,000 feet. Uh, there's a lot of uh, factors to take into consideration when we go higher up in fidelities. Uh, again, 17,000 feet, you, know, you can deal with uh, lack of oxygen, uh, hypoxia, uh, high mountain altitude sickness, so on and so forth. Um, so this is just an example of a partnerships that we're working with um, and, you know, how we go ahead and move beyond just uh, low fidelity in Mojave and and how we're capable of being able to go up into these higher and more challenging environments, such as Everest at 17,000 feet. Yeah, and so um, you can see below nutrition and diet is very important. So we have to study our missions over the years. Now, what you eat is what you become, right? So we have studied different types of diets for these crews and, and you know, vegetarian diet, ketogenic diet over the years. And what we get to, we're going to actually deploy missions in uh, next year, um, Q3, Q4 of next year, and we will start a Martian diet. And then Martian diet we've created and developed. We haven't tested it yet, but we will. The Martian diet is really focused on high-quality protein that's non-animal origin. So it will be insects, it will be plant-based. We're going to test, you know, uh, 3D-printed bioreactors with stem cells, with plant stem cells, and create, you know, different types of food source. So the idea of not only nutrition and the diet that the individuals help, they help to maintain their their physical and and uh, mental health uh, wellness. It's also about sustainability, right? It's also about the ability to use these applications to also be, you know, to benefit life on Earth, right? So, so diet and nutrition, absolutely. And we worked with the National Space Society for a competition, and we have in year four. If you want to go to that website, you're interested in joining the competition, uh, you can go, and uh, you can. Uh, we've just opened up for year four, and you can participate. Next slide. And I think this is the last few slides. Em, you want to talk about this initiative? Sure. So we just went to the first ever uh, intertribal space uh, conference out in Oklahoma City, or 
around Oklahoma City. Um, and really what it is, is providing um, opportunities for communities that are very underrepresented or overlooked. Um, and Native Americans is a perfect example. Um, and uh, just tribal communities around the globe. Uh, you know, I've worked with and lived with uh, tribes around the world. Uh, and they're very smart, intelligent, motivated individuals. They just lack the resources and the opportunities to be able to utilize their talents to, you know, contribute in a significant way. So we're partnering um, uh, with the intertribal uh, society to be able to bring in uh, all of these underrepresented communities into the commercial space sector and giving them opportunities such as scholarships and internships to be able to come into our program and to participate uh, and to be really involved and motivated. Uh, so that's really what this is. Yes, so it's the it's the first uh, uh, inaugural conference they had, and it was the Intertribal uh, Space Agency. So they formed an agency now, and in fact, uh, the first female Indigenous uh, um, Native American is on the ISS. So uh, this is the future where space ex uh, exploration is going to be inclusive. It's going to have many faces, right? Not just one face. Uh, it's going to include everybody because commercial space is about inclusivity and diversity. Because if we are going to successfully be living permanently in space and on a planet surface, we need everybody involved. So space is for all and not just for the few. And so for that, um, also, we are going to be planning our first ever uh, all uh, intertribal uh crew mission so if anyone knows anyone that you know is involved with any of the uh local communities like Students. navajo or you know uh then you know please reach out to us because we'd like to get in contact with them as well to see who would be interested in you know participating in that mission yeah and also what will be interested in these missions um the next slide um is that we are going to incorporate uh, multiple missions, right? Different types uh, of crew mix. Uh, one, what Emmy just said, will be for the intertribal, you know, native indigenous people around the world. If you belong to a tribe around the world, you, you can come in, we'll give you a scholarship to join these missions. Um, and we will also have the first female humanoid robot that will be a crew participant which is uh, a really innovative and it's cutting edge in terms of having a humanoid robot, female robot that's going to join the mission itself. Now, finally, this is our last slide. Promise. This is what I would like to talk to everybody out there. If you're interested, the whole the whole idea of why, why we started uh, this presentation is our initiatives and it's about DEI, diversity, inclusivity and equality and inclusivity. And so we've started these initiatives and you could see, you know, uh, all four, but includes also actually our fifth one, which we just talked about, the intertribal. But the idea is you could see from these four initiatives, it really is about everybody. If you're interested, you can reach out to us and we will be able to talk to you. And if you're a, a school, if you're a, a principal investigator with a project, if you're, you know, you had a, a citizen scientist group, you, you know, community, reach out to us because we want you on board and we will work with you to bring you in and give you these very immersive, interactive um, experiences. And so our para astronaut is the disabled community. 
uh, are uh, women, women, you know, obviously women on Mars is really female entrepreneurs because it's the same, it's the same problem. Even VCs right now in Silicon Valley, any, anywhere actually, is that if you're a female entrepreneur, you're a CEO, a co-founder of a, of a company, and then there's a male counterpart that's pitching for money, guess what? It is the VC is going to go through the male. Right now, it's still the same challenges that women entrepreneurs face, and we're still facing it too, right? You could be everything equalized, they would just pick the male, especially in the hard, the hard sectors that we're in, right? So we want to change that conversation. That so also then we have obviously the LGBTQT and and minority underrepresented uh, communities and the Apollo notes. I I am a baby boomer. I saw, you know, Neil Armstrong step in the moon when I was seven. And I also felt, you know, ageism was a part of prejudice that I encountered over the years. Ageism, would you believe? So I want to be able to say to everyone out there who are the baby boomers, don't you're not excluded from these experiential learning and learning about frontier technologies. If you're a, if you're a teacher and you want to learn more about frontier technologies and then how to bring that into your classroom for your students who are the next generation, we want to work with you because I felt it myself. And that's why we want to start this initiative called the Apollo notes, right? Because, because, um, because a certain age, for some reason, if you're past 60, you are eliminated from any participation for some some reason or another. Even though you have all these skills, you have all the knowledge, you you know you've you've encountered all the problems over the years in your ex life experience, but you're not allowed to engage. So we're going to change that as well. So please, please reach out to us. Uh, next slide. I think it's the final slide. Thank you so much. I think we went over time. Emmy, want to say? Sure. So essentially, yeah, that was a lot of information. <laughs> uh, we do a lot of things um, because what MRs is, uh, is an academy. It's a place where uh, opportunities are endless because space is a place where opportunities are endless. And we are not targeting one specific demographic. We want uh, like uh, the International Astronaut Congress this year, their slogan was space for all. And we wholeheartedly believe that space is for all. It's the next frontier. Everyone needs to get involved. Everyone should get involved. And, uh, you know, there are there are restrictions for certain individuals and, and groups, and we don't want those restrictions um, in place at our place. So we want everyone one that wants to contribute to the commercial space sector to come in and do what they want to do um, and have a space that they feel that they can. Um, and, uh, you know, that's heavy in research as well. So if you want to jump in on our research studies, if you want to bring in your own research studies, if you just want to experience it, um, there's the opportunities are endless. And that's what MMARS is really creating. It's not just a place where you can rent for two weeks and do what you want to do for one time only. It's a place to really be involved with the commercial space sector. Yeah, and I just want to end on this is space is still the final front. It's kind of one of the final frontiers, but it's not the final frontier, but it's a known frontier for humans, right? And that's where the unknown allows you to think out of the box to find to real hard challenges because still, you know, there is still a, a room for you to be creative. It's called, you know, imagineering. 
visioneering. So space allows you to do that. But I want to end to, to let people know space is not a way for people like us to escape Earth's problem. In fact, it's virtually the opposite. It, space allows us to find solutions to really hard challenges and then to apply it to solve problems on Earth. That ultimately is the key reason why we do what we do, right? So I always say, and I, uh, uh, to the naysayers out there, space is not to run away from the problems on Earth. Space actually helps us to find real problem, real solutions to our humanity on Earth, and then allowing us to expand out because we are innately the DNA of our humanity is that. We are the explorers, and we will, no matter what anyone says, we will expand ourselves back out into space, which really is our home, right? So that's kind of what I want everyone to know, is that we're really about trying to to um, bring what we do to be able to have more people on board and not just keep talking to the choir, as they say, right? So that's the hardest challenge. NASA's had that challenge, still do. How do they stop talking to the choir and bring the general public and more people on board? So in the case of education, that's what we need to do. Yes, if you're interested in getting involved or reaching out to us, if you want to bring in your academic institutions, if you want to bring in your students, if you want to come in yourself or if you know people that are interested, uh, feel free to look at our website. It's www.mmaars.com um, or you can feel free to email us at uh, marsacademy at gmail.com. So we always end like this, Em. Ready? Yeah. Live long and Live prosper. Long and prosper. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Are there any questions? Oh, okay. Ah. Oh, if you can play the VR, that'd be great, because that would be a great way to end. Questions? Any questions? Yes. Oh. So how large is your company? Um, in terms of size? People. People, we're about, we're startup still, right? So um, we're about 10, 20 people okay. with a lot of uh, partnerships from both corporate, okay. private, and research scientists. Because right. it's been going since 2015. So over those years, we've been able to have a very vast network from all different uh, entities. And myself, I've been involved in, you know, entrepreneurship as well, coming out of Singularity University, you know, Front Founders Institute and right. uh, and ASU and all this. So it's a huge, it's a huge community that we've we've built up to be able to help us create this. But I, I would just say I have to give a lot of kudos to my daughter, who's my co-founder, you know, um, because why I. I knew that was important to have voices from different generations, you know, to 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 be able to engage with people of different, you know, age and different uh, backgrounds. So sometimes, you know, you got the young generation and they don't want to listen to an old person. Oh, okay. So, so this is uh, our example of a, of a mission of a landing on Mars. And if you see a button, MAU 11, rotate to negative 22 degrees yes. approach angle. Report before 50 nautical miles interact with this. this is the computer guys 360, but if, if you had a VR headset on, the so this is just the 360. Right. MAU-11, 
So this is simulating, you know, you're on the space rocket and you're headed to first and you're going to head to M. Subsonic torture propulsion on MAU-11, clear for landing, steering for landing, 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 Welcome to Mars Academy VR Simulation Training. Please look around and proceed to the Energy and Environment Module. Yeah, I think it's... You're stuck on entering. Air lock pressure evasion commencing. Oh, there we go. So now we're entering the cabin. Slow, but if you actually go and see it on your on the side, yes, this is a very Training early module initiated. Please select a system yeah. you want to manage from the menu. And this was the first VR, AR, or really VR uh, simulation uh, to be able to get an idea of what it would be like to be in the rocket and enter the space gen or enter our habitat on MRs. Oh, but you guys kind of got an idea of what it is, and it's actually active, so you can actually, uh, when you get out of this, so this is another, this is more recent, this is using Oculus or as a HoloLens 2, but you can come in as an avatar, you can see the hand, so because if you wear the device, you see the person's hand, and here we're doing what we call holo triage, it's triaging, so in this case you have several patients, this one is an unconscious person, and you can see the person's hand actually doing, finding the pulse. And then here is another, uh, because it's, it's triage. So this is young boy choking. You can see the person, and that's a real hand, by the way, because we're wearing the headset, and interacting with the avatar, slapping the person's back, maybe dislodge the block, the obstruction in the throat. And then over here is, uh, is a woman, she's bleeding out, she's with a fractured leg. So now it's telling you instructions what to do. It's telling him, okay, now, and he has to literally over to where this uh, first aid kit is. He's pulling it off and he's wearing the HoloLens or the you know, spatial computing headset, so he's able to interact with these holographic images that is moving around. So in this case, he's bleeding uh, out, he's trying to pack the wound and put on a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. So you can see every time, you can see the, the text there, every time you do the right, correct um, procedure, uh, in the in the protocol, it will move you on to the next. Say, okay, move on to the next. So this is the next generation of what we were doing. Initially, it was the VR only because of the capabilities of the headsets at the time. Now we have eventually HoloLens 3, um, but we have now AR our capabilities of being able to integrate virtual world with the real world, and that really helps with training. And again, this is medical training aspect, but uh, it also helps with space exploration. 
you see that you have the actual pull the A and B and you're going to learn how to actually using holographic images composed of real environments in real time is what you're going to engage in. So it's very immersive. Everything I've seen in technology is immersive. So even then you can tell he's doing trying to do, you know, compressions and, and so on and so forth. So this is what Emmy said. This is the future of training and, and education where you're going to use the technology in a very positive way. more questions. All right. Uh, one question. Are you familiar with the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics Space Colonization? Uh, no, but we are. Well, that's what we, that's the arm of AIAA that specializes. Yeah. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Use the arrows up in the upper left corner and really visually look around. This is again, this is a very, very rudimentary, basic iteration of our VR training. And now throughout the years, it's expanded and gotten better. Like to think. <laughs> no, no, it is. Um, so we are going to put it into a multiplayer metaverse. And so now that, that the idea of that is now you can engage not only but with yourself alone in, in the immersive world, which is what basic virtual reality is. We're talking about augmented, extended reality. So now you can come in as multiplayer in the metaverse that we're building and you'll be able to work with other other uh, participants or you could say your crew members together in this immersive world right so maybe you want to do a EVA a geological EVA so you all come in as avatars right you all have your own avatars you come in you're going to dress in your spacesuit and then you're going to learn the protocols you're going to help each other engage and then you go and do this EVA a geological EVA do you know terrain scouting and and using equipment and so on so you're going to work together interactively you're going to use the technology but you're there in real time your human presence is there but you're not your you know your real physical presence that's what is so uh really fascinating about these technologies that's out there right now right yeah so we're yeah, so it's going to be in our company and we'll put, so what you just saw with the training, it, we'll put that on Steam because that's virtual reality, right? 
so on Steam platform it's virtual reality, but with our metaverse that will actually be uh, integrated into uh, our own platform where you have to, you know, engage with our platform and then go into it because that's using, you know, augmented reality or extended reality. So, so there's different ways to engage immersively. VR or virtual reality is the most simple way, but you can't really do a lot of interaction with your computerized world. But with augmented reality and, and extended or using HoloLens, it's spatial computing, you, it's basically holo, holographic images superimposed on the real environment. And, and on the metaverse, you can, with these avatars that you create yourself, you can immersively and work with others. That's a, that's a whole more advanced, you know. Sorry? Yeah. Yes, they did. But I think, yeah, they did the very, very first using the um, HoloLens uh, on on Mars. But, uh, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Join it. Oh. One last thing before I leave, I just want to—I <laughs> just want to let you know that uh, uh, I've worked in uh, space colonization for the Moon and Mars for over 20 years, and I mean being paid by Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman. So uh, I have a lot of background as far as uh, human-machine interface, uh, uh, bioastronautics, uh, geology, astronomy. So all those things that might be. In Involved there. So if you ever have a question that you'd like to, to tweet me, uh, let me know. Well, In the meantime, I all. think you're doing a great job. Uh, I think that the schools would benefit by this from this a lot. Do you have a question? She had a question. Oh, yeah, she had a question. So, how do your internship programs work? Yeah, so our internship works when you come into a virtual training, and in our virtual training, uh, it gives you an introduction to you know what we do, how we do it, the architecture, the programs, very simple, you know, simple program, the projects that we work on. Then once you've gone through that experience, then uh, you can decide if you want an internship and we have different various levels of internship. So obviously some of our projects are internal to our partners, our company partner, you know, that we partner with or to ourselves. And it's a w whatever interests you, right? Because we have across all different sectors uh, projects. So if there's a particular, if you, so for example, if you're interested in what we just showed you, right, the hollow triage using Oculus to do medical training, med, we call med XR training, then we say, okay, we want to do an internship in that in that area, right? If you're interested in robotics, right, we talked about that female um, robot that's coming into a crew mission in 2023, then we could say, come in and and you know work on that. So. That's a way to do on different uh, internships, a different duration, and so on and so forth. So it's it, we're interested in giving an internship to a student who is going to is either interested in expanding 
or wanting to uh, finding uh, an experience in a technology area that they've never, you know, experienced and they want to have a little bit of experience and see if they, that's the direction. So it's a way for us to open up opportunities for you to find new ways to, you know, engage. Yeah, so it really depends on um, if you reach out to us and you let us, you know, if we, I don't know if you're a university student or, um, you know, if if you're studying a specific thing, whereas we have students that are in Poland that are interested in drones or rovers specifically, right? So they want to work on um, certain technologies that we're developing uh, that comes to, that deals with only rovers and aspects of the rovers versus we also have interns that are very interested in humanoid robotics, um, you know, and that are local that are very interested in, being, you know, with bringing in a humanoid robot into our mission. Uh, we have uh, uh, people that are very interested in uh, architecture and developing space habitats. And so they'd come in and, you know, really work on designing and developing and expanding the Mars habitat on what would make it more realistic for individual for participants to come in and experience living in a habitat. So it's really based off of, you know, what your goals are, what you're very interested in. And we work with you to be able to reach those goals uh, and that's the whole you know that's the end of the day the real reason for internships so well, also are the internships virtual or in person it is it's both oh. so the uh, the in person is if you've gone through our in-person training um but the virtual we have virtual internships as well and do the in-person trainings like how often do they happen yeah so uh we um offer them once a month and the, the virtual we offer, you know, yeah, once a month. Our in-person, because of COVID, we had to be very careful. Um, but uh, we'll start deploying missions in Q3 and Q4 2023 for the in-person mission. But it's, it's a prerequisite to actually do, uh, to complete our virtual level one, virtual level one before you can come into our, our in-person missions. Because that's the way for you to understand, you know, what's expected of you and also for you to know what's, ex you know, what you're going to be required to do in the mission. So it's vitally important, as Emmy has said, that you understand our architecture of what, what is an analog astronaut, what's an analog mission, you know, uh, what are the projects and what is re what's my responsibility, what's my role, you know, what am I expected to do? So all this is, is introduced to you in our virtual uh, one, but also you get to learn about the different technology areas that we're involved in in our virtual one. You know, so it's a real like important introduction. Okay, thank you. Actually, uh, we um, we are trying to reach to more uh, school educators. So, uh, but well, this is holiday. So, um, actually, uh, we went to we went to uh, several school early this year: elementary, middle school, high school. Uh, we did uh, outreach exhibition. So, for example, I mean, you can you are welcome to come with us. Yeah, you know, uh, fantastic. And uh, the the other thing is actually we have we actually have been showing several things from. Uh, for example, we have a member, he has been working on this Mars driving software, like what you're doing, also VR, something like that. And he authorized us because he, he is very busy. So when he could not join us, he actually authorized to play the Steam, the Steam version of it, uh, just to show show students you know, how fun it is to drive on Mars. And, and when he has time, he will show up to give a talk, uh, something like that. So you can do, you know, you also join us in person or you're busy, we can set up online and uh, uh, or authorized to show a special occasion or something 
for the Steam version or something like that. Yeah. So we are trying to um, do it. And uh, I think this is great. I mean, uh, uh, a student will be very inspired. Of course, also Joanne. Yeah. 3D printing. Yeah, Joanne already volunteered. You know, he said he come to school uh, when he, if yeah. she has time, she will join us. <clears throat> Bioprinter? Yeah. Very good. Yes, yes. Yeah, definitely. We, we actually got quite some. Uh, uh, <laughs> is actually using a simulant Martian regolith and lunar simulant lunar regolith and be able to use that to to you know obviously put in you know a different mix of, of you know um, in the material right so we use carbon we use carbon and PLA uh, when we printed those uh, surgical tools and it was I mean we printed out the solar power 3d printer and those and we can and it was really you know, uh, tough, right? You could cut steak, a three-inch steak, because uh, there was carbon mix in it. So it'll be interesting to. We never use uh, simulant at this point. So maybe you know, I don't know. That's what we're trying to. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, I know. Yeah, exactly. So. You know, it's a great way for experiments, right? Actually, uh, uh, the, and uh, our Globus, you know him, right? Our Globus, he's going to show up on Tuesday for the virtual reality because okay. we are going to show a couple O'Neill's uh, picture that mm. it, it, it's M's, it's not his own, but he has a collection of the pictures were put, mm. put into virtual reality gallery. And uh, he mm. has his Kapana one. Uh, you know, th this is not the Mars habit, this is orbiting L1, L2, as Dean yes, was yes. saying. And uh, we are going to put, and he, he has some artists produce some kind of 3D picture. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he also signed out, so I think he will show up. It's not a presentation, but it, it will be like this. Mm -hmm. L will also say a few words, you know, yes. and I'm just to guide uh, the tour for, for the 3D gallery. And right. if you wear the Oculus, and you, yeah. can, you can talk, use a microphone mm -hmm. for Oculus, or, or you can use 2D or something. But so Tuesday is the theme is also space colonization. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 530, 530. I think also I want to um, just push it out there is that it's a, a project that we want to start. We started a few years ago and we put it on the shelf, but it's a project for diet nutrition, but it's for medicinal. Um, so um, when you think about deep space missions, right? Um, to try try to use non-pharmacological intervention right uh, for the astronauts is the best better way to approach so one of the studies that we're trying to design and um, and start creating in our missions is uh, the medicinal plant um, project so what what do I mean by that well it's for us to try to grow plants that have medicinal properties in them right and and to grow them in these simulant at this case, at this time, right? To see, do they grow in these simulant uh, soils and these medicinal plants? So, for example, cannabinoids, right? Cannabinoids that are in the uh, marijuana plants, right? Um, and and also hemp, you know, wh whether also, uh, 
yes, make roadblock or clothes or food, right? You can, um, so, so the medicinal plant project, if anyone's out there is interested, you know, reach out to us because we have, um, we have a green hab that's part of the habitat that, uh, and it, when we actually work with the Mojave Spaceport, uh, that's kind of where we're heading next is to actually bring in our training program into the Ma uh, partner with the Mojave Spaceport. So we are able to have a green hub, you know, for long periods of time. So what we grow over the seasons, we can harvest in the mission. So the idea is to actually use different biotechnology uh, to grow these grow these uh, food sources or these plants and try to try to extract their medicinal property. I mean, this is a study that we've, you know, because I'm in medicine, is something that I've always uh, wanted to start. So if anyone's interested uh, and, uh, and you know, want to join this project, we, we would love to speak to you, give you an internship, come into uh, a mission. We'll give you, give you a scholarship to join our mission. Thanks, everyone. Excellent. Thank you. This is very exciting. And what, what just a comment, what you did, you know, this uh, psychology, social, we actually post a couple, um, a, a paper by Dr. Jim Path. Oh, yeah, I know Jim. So, so, so sociology yeah, is very interesting. I think it's a very interesting factor. Uh, the other thing is uh, space medicine. We've been having several space medicine talks. Yeah. And uh, we also have educator, actually her team, uh, what's not she directly, she she a group of uh, teachers, but she's our member that uh, uh, they actually went for a competition, students mm -hmm. went for NASA, they grow hemp. Yes, hemp, exactly. They to space station. I know. Yeah. <laughs> no, hemp is amazing. They, they got the NASA, NASA prize. Yeah, hemp, you can eat it, you can <clears throat> use it for clothing, you can use it for structures, yeah, also, building structures, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's... I have a friend that's selling hemp. So uh, yeah. we want to grow hemp in our missions and test it out. We want to, you know, um, all different types of uh, food sources that we could grow and test it out because eventually when you live when you are going to live on a planet surface you it's not going to be traditional agriculture right it's not we're not going to grow food the way that we grow, grow on earth it's not going to happen so you have to use cutting-edge technology biotech technology so one of them is also using stem cells right so 3d printing bioreactors and growing different types of plant source stem cells to grow the plants well, is the way to go well, my, i was about to mention because madhu and i have been thinking about if we can do the bioprinting to print food yeah know, 3d easy. print food yeah <laughs> yeah thanks thank you this is amazing thank you everyone thank you, thank you people online thank you bye-bye this is wonderful appreciate it no, it's okay. It's okay to to post the video online to share with people. Of course, you thank can. you. The yeah. more people will know about you yeah. and your uh, effort. <coughs>